Hi, I'm Mike, lead pastor at The Ridge, and this is our weekly podcast. Thank you for joining us. Our desire is for you to grow in relationship with God, connect with others, and to experience God's purpose for life by adding value to the life of another. I hope that this message will build your faith and encourage you as we seek to grow together in God's Word. Enjoy today's message. Well, today we are going to look at this biblical book called Haggai. And so if you have a Bible, I invite you to go ahead and open it to Haggai. And if you're like getting a little anxious and you're thinking, yikes, I have no idea where Haggai is, let me give you a clue. It's between Zephaniah and Zechariah. Does that help? (laughs) Thank God for things like table of contents and Bible apps. Well, the book of Haggai, it's hidden in the back pages of the Old Testament. It begins this way, chapter 1, verse 1. In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Haggai is a short book. There's just two chapters, a grand total of 38 verses. But these 38 verses are going to be really hard to understand if you don't know what was going on 2,600 years ago. So... I'm going to give you a little bit of history. Try to stay awake. Let me start with this. The year 2100 BC, that was the time of Abraham. Well, 600 years later, 1500 BC, that's the time of Moses. 400 years later, around 1100 BC, that was David. Now, when Israel's King David died, his son Solomon became the new king. And Solomon, he built this magnificent temple. People came from all around the world just to see it. And so Israel, at that time, they had this glorious temple. And with that also came prosperity. Their economy was doing great. People from foreign lands were coming and bringing wealth into their their commerce. And so life was good. It was getting pretty comfortable. And as often happens in times like that, the people, well, they began to drift, spiritually speaking. They began to drift away from God. They didn't go all atheist on God. They believed he was real. They just started, their life started getting filled with other things. And we see this same dynamic of passion for God. And then life gets full. We have a lot of things going on. And then that passion begins to wane a little bit. We see that happening again and again and again and again and again. It's cyclical throughout all of history, including, well, here and now today. Still still happens. So what does God do? God sees that they're starting to drift. He sees that their hearts are starting to to get a little farther away from him. He doesn't want to lose a relationship. So how does he deal with that? Well, here's what he did in the Old Testament. God allowed a series of events to take place. And the purpose for these events were to turn the hearts of the people to draw them back to himself. Three big things. Here's the first one. The nation of Israel, it divided into two. Became Israel to the north and Judah to the south. 
And then the second thing, in the year 722, he allowed the Assyrian army to come through and conquer the northern kingdom of Israel because they weren't following his ways. So the southern kingdom, they saw what happened to the northern kingdom for not following God. And they're like, well, we don't want that to happen to us. So you can imagine they had a little spiritual re-engagement. And it was kind of like the foxhole crisis faith. But it didn't last very long. Then in 586, here's the third thing. God allowed the Babylonian army to come in and they conquered the southern kingdom of Judah. They burned the city of Jerusalem to the ground. They destroyed the temple and the people were taken from their homes and they were exiled 900 miles away to Babylon. For the next 50 years, these people lived as exiles in the city of Babylon. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine being exiled for 50 years to some place like, like Canada? You know, it'd be kind of like this. This picture of all this snow. Or just another summer day in Canada. <laughs> That's what that is. Well, 50 years after being exiled, God steps in. God intercedes. And in 539... The Persians rise up and they conquer, take out the Babylonian Empire. This history is actually, it's recorded in the history books. We also find the same thing in the Bible. King of Persia did this. 2 Chronicles 36, verse 23. This is what Cyrus, king of Persia, says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has appointed me to build a temple for him at Jerusalem in Judah. Any of his people among you may go up and may the Lord be their God with their God be with them. This is quite amazing. This is a king who has had these people in captivity, in exile. The king Cyrus, he he says of Persia, you guys are free to go. And not only are you free to go, I want to help resource your temple rebuilding program. How about that? An amazing thing is going on. What a gift. What a provision from God. You may be aware in the Bible, one of the big stories in the Old Testament is the Exodus. You know, Moses, Egypt, he brings people out of Egypt and they move their way toward the promised land. Do you realize that's only one of two Exoduses that's found in the Old Testament? There's two Exoduses in the Old Testament. That's the first one. This is the second one. We find the second one here in the book of Haggai. It's also found in the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. Not as popular as the first Exodus, but it's kind of the same deal. God is saying, I am delivering you. I am rescuing you. I am giving you freedom. I'm giving you another chance. And so these people had just experienced that. And they said, God, we're all in. Thank you for saving and delivering and rescuing us. We're, we're going to do your work. We're going to rebuild your temple. They started out really strong. They had great intentions, but something happened with this. Ezra puts it this way, chapter 4, verse 4. Then the peoples around them set out to discourage the people of Judah and make them afraid to go on building. They bribed officials to work against them and frustrate their plans. Were resistance. They were just trying to serve God. Opposition. Following God, it just got hard. And you know what these people did? 
Well, they quit. They walked away. Why? Because they assumed that God's will and God's way, they assumed that was going to be easy. They thought, you know, if this really is God's plan, if he's the one leading, he's going to guide and he's going to open up this clear path for us. Haggai, he steps in and through this book of the Bible, he says, no, 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 no. That's not the way that it works in this world. Do you ever do you ever do that? Because I do. Do you ever just kind of assume that God's way is going to be easy? Do you ever just kind of assume that God's plan is going to be, if we're in his plan, it's going to be problem-free? Well, Haggai says, don't. Here's where we need to use a little bit of discernment and listening to the Spirit, because... When life is hard, sometimes it's hard because we're in the wrong place or we're doing the wrong things and we're experiencing some consequences of that. But there are other times. There are times when life is hard and we're in the right place and we're doing the right things. And Haggai says, don't be surprised by that. Haggai, he's saying things like, you know, following Jesus is like that. When we follow Jesus... The closer that we get to him, the closer we get to his way and to his will, the more likely we are to experience opposition. Because there's an enemy and the enemy doesn't want us to do that, doesn't want us to be close to God, doesn't want us where God wants us to be. So he creates resistance and opposition. Haggai saying to these people, Don't fear that. Expect that. Count on that. And if you're facing that in your life today, don't do what these people do. Don't just give in to that. Haggai beckons us to choose what is right over what is easy. To choose what is good over what is convenient. Saying the closer that you get to God and His will and His way, the more likely you are to face opposition that's normal expect that chapter 1 verse 1 in the second year of king darius on the first day of the sixth month that tells us exactly when this took place book of haggai took place august 29 520 bc verse 2 this is what the lord almighty says these people say The time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. That's very interesting. Because throughout the rest of the Old Testament, God, he calls the people of Israel. He says, my people, my people, my people. Not here in Haggai 1, 2. Did you catch that? Hear it again. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people. Not my people. He says, these people. Here's what that's like. while back... I, I came back to my house after being away for the day. And, you know, I kind of expect a, a warm reception. Didn't get that. Rather, I got the stink eye. You know what I'm talking about? And my wife, Sarah, she says, Do you know what your daughter did today? You heard that one? Your daughter. 
And, and here's what I'm thinking. I, I'm thinking, you know, your daughter, if my memory serves correct, you were there when this girl was conceived. But it's not our daughter, it's your daughter in here. It's not my people, it's these people. See, when you read something like that in the Bible, make a note of it. That's a clue. That's a clue. Something's not right. That's a clue that God's getting upset and frustrated. Well, what's God frustrated about here? Well, this. God has just given these people a second exodus. He's just given them deliverance. He's given them freedom. He's given them all this grace and provision. And they said, God, we're in. We're going to follow you. Well, the moment things get tough, they say, God, we're out. They gave up. They started out strong. They were all amped up. They were all committed. They were all in. But they fizzled out. Is God somehow speaking to you in that? Is there anything in your life, maybe an incomplete assignment in your life, something that, well, it was on your heart, Something that at one point in time you felt God nudging you to do, but you never got all the way around to doing it. Maybe it was like, well, I felt like I was supposed to reach out to this person, but I never did. Or I felt like God was inviting me to serve in this way, but I never did because other things kind of got in the way. Or maybe you're like, well, I, I was going to honor God with my body. I had this great idea to get in shape, but it just got too hard. Or maybe you're thinking, I, I had this prompting to, to give something, but it never happened. That, that's what's going on in here. They had great intentions. They were well-meaning. They were going to do it, but they didn't. And Haggai's stepping in and he's saying, people, it's not too late. It's not too late. You still have life. You still have breath. It's not too late for you. Do it now. Complete that assignment. Follow through. You know, God, he's given them freedom. He called them to rebuild his temple. They started that. They faced opposition from that. They flamed out. And then comes this. Verses 2 through 4. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses? Well, this house remains a ruin. The word that jumps out in this passage was the word paneled. Paneled homes, wood paneling. And why, do, why does that jump out? Well, it jumped out to these people because of this. This is a picture. This is where they were living. And as you look at where they were living, here's the question. Do you see any trees? No. Very few trees around Jerusalem. So in order for these people to be able to get wood to put on for wood paneling, they had to travel miles and miles and miles to the land of, 
Lebanon. That's where they had trees. And they would get them there. They'd pay a pretty hefty price for it. And then they would import them and bring them all the way back. Here's God's point. God is saying, you're telling me that the time isn't right to focus on my house, but you are pouring all this time and energy and resource into paneling your house? Something's not right with that. What's the problem here in Haggai? I mean, what do you think? You know, some of you, you're thinking, oh, yep, got it. I know where this is headed. This is about to turn into a sermon on giving. Yay, I'm so excited for that. Well, sorry to disappoint you, but no, that's actually not where this is going to go. That's initially where I thought this was going to go, but it's not. Because I start looking a little deeper in here. I, I really, I don't think that wealth was really God's problem. As I look at this, I don't think God was ticked off because they had paneling. I don't think God was shaming them here for their wealth. Some of the most spiritual people in the Bible were actually quite wealthy. Abraham was wealthy. Isaac was wealthy. David was wealthy. Daniel was wealthy. The Bible, nowhere does it demonize wealth. God, he he doesn't say that money is the root of all evil. How does he put it? He says, it's the love of money. That's an issue. That's what is the root of evil. And that's different. A lot of people, when they go to the book of Haggai, they'll point to the panel homes and say, oh, well, that's it. The issue here, what he's getting at, it's a wealth problem. And I, I, I'm not convinced of that. I don't really think it's a wealth problem. Granted, they, they weren't following God with their wealth. They, they weren't living lives of generosity. They weren't looking, saying, hey, here's what God has given and provided for me. Now I want to find ways to be able to use this to bless other people, to make this world a better place. They weren't living that way, but that was a symptom. I think the, the root issue is actually, it's deeper. Look at verse 4. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled homes while this house remains a ruin? What's the problem here? We say, well, if it's not a money issue, then maybe it's probably, it's a time issue. It's a priority issue. These aren't evil people. These, well, they were just busy people. They had come back. They had a city to rebuild. They had bills to pay. They had meals to cook. They had yards to manage, houses to clean, relationships to maintain, activities to attend. Maybe their schedules just got full and they got busy. I mean, it's possible to be too busy. Not just doing bad things, just not doing a lot of the positive things that God would invite us to do, and he just gets squeezed out. This happens. It's possible for life to get too busy, and maybe that's an issue for you today. But I don't think that's the deeper issue in here. Verse 4. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled homes while this house remains a ruin? Well, it's not a money issue. If it's not a time issue, if it's not a busy issue, well, what is it? Let me get at that this way. One of my three children went through a serious mom phase. And so it was like, they loved mom, and they needed mom, and they wanted mom, all the stinking time. 
And that was fine when mom was around. But when mom wasn't there and I was there, here's the question that I got all the time. Where's mom? Where's mom? Where's mom? Where's mom? I got really tired of answering that. And so I found a way to to really get beyond that. And here's what I did that seemed to do the trick. I got this little guy. And I waved this little guy and I rattled this little guy and I used this little guy. And you know what this did? It worked. She forgot all about mom. This is a distraction. Focus so much on this thing over here that you forget about this thing over there. It's a distraction. And if any of you parents haven't really grabbed on to the art of distraction, I highly recommend it. It's effective. You know who else recommends it? Well, Satan does. It is one of his greatest, most effective weapons. It really is. I mean, he recognizes that sometimes he can't get us to go for bad things. He's like, they're not going to bite on that. They're not going to go for that. So if I can't get them to go for that bad thing, here's what I'll do. He finds ways to distract us with good things. Good things. He gets us so caught up with this, you know, this thing over here that we forget about. We forget about mom. We forget about God. We forget about how we can really invest in his thing. That that distraction thing that is so easy to do and serves as one of the greatest barriers to our spiritual life. I mean, as you do an honest reflection on your life today, is there anything that Satan might be using to distract you? It's probably a good thing. It's probably a positive thing. But is there anything that he's using in life that it's just distracting you from getting involved and taking that next step or in in pursuing a closer relationship with him? What is it? What are the things that distract us? Say, well... Mike, how how do we get this right? How can I in my life, how can I avoid distraction? I I don't want to be living a life that's constantly filled with distraction. How can I make God my number one priority? I'm going to guess, I mean, you're here or you're tuning in online and you're listening. I'm going to guess you want to be close with God. You want to know him. You want to walk with him. You want him to be priority in your life. But how do we do that? Is the answer to that? More effort is the answer to that. Well, I just need a little bit more willpower is the answer to that. Well, I just need to try a little bit harder. If you would give me just that one thing, that magic path, then I'll go there and I'll just add that to my to do list and I'll be good to go. Well, Jesus. Jesus proposed a different way. Matthew 6, verse 21, Jesus said this. He said, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Very profound. What Jesus is saying there, he's saying, it's really not just about sheer willpower. 
It's really not just about trying harder. He said, if you really want to, to get tight, if you really want to grow, if you really want to take that next step with God, it's not just about trying harder. It's about this. It's about loving more. What Jesus teaches is that the issue underneath the priority issue is actually a heart issue. Jesus is showing that our priorities in life, they're actually just a reflection of where our heart is in life. Jesus is showing that our priorities, they're based on what we most treasure. If you want to know what we most treasure, all you got to do is look at our priorities. He says, what we most treasure, that is what fills our schedules. That is what fills our values. That's what fills our lives. It's evident. We just have, just have to look. Does this story of Haggai, does it sound vaguely familiar? Because it should. In Haggai, God is saying to the people, He's saying, well, who is it that just you know, set you free from Babylon? Who is it that gave you deliverance from this prison that you created for yourself. He's saying, who has saved you and who has redeemed you and who has provided for you and who has blessed you and who is it that loved you? Well, God, you have. You have. You're the one. He says, yeah, that's right. And I didn't do that just so you could go back to your homes and build and live in your beautiful paneled houses. He said, I did what I've done because that's my method, because that's my plan, so that we can become so captivated by God's love, so that we become so captivated by God's provision that we want to serve Him, that we want to follow Him, that we want to use our lives to bless other lives. That, that's not just Haggai. That's the gospel. That's the center of the Christian faith. That's who God is. God who's saying, I'm not just going to remain distant in heaven. I am going to enter in. I'm going to come to you. I'm going to come to wherever you are. I'm going to enter into your situation. Jesus did that. Why? He didn't do that for him. He did that for us. And the cross. Well, he didn't do that because it felt good. He didn't do that because, well, it was going to be a good time. He did that to set us free. And do you know anyone in your entire life who's done and given up that much for you? See, Jesus, He didn't do that just so that we could embrace some kind of rigid moral code. He did that so that we could see who God is. He did that so that we would understand what we've been given. He did that so that we would know how much we are loved. And when we recognize that, then that is designed to change us on the inside. When we focus on that, when we get that, when we remember that, when we go and focus and keep our hearts and mind on that, then we trust Him 
and we love him, well, we love him back. That's God's plan. That's the way the gospel works. Haggai, these people, they didn't prioritize the temple. Why? Because they were prioritizing themselves. In Haggai, they weren't accomplishing God's plan. Why? Because they were preoccupied with their own plan. Jesus said this, Matthew 6, 21, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And Jesus, knew, he knows how it works. Jesus was saying, you know, this priority issue isn't really a time issue. When we dig deeper, the priority issue, it's really, it's a love issue. And if you're struggling with the priority issue today, and you know, there's all kinds of stuff, and you're trying to figure out, man, I got all these things, my life is filled with all this stuff, and in an honest time of your reflection, you realize, well, God's kind of getting the back burner right now. Jesus is saying, well, here's why. That's because the priority issue is not really a time issue. It's really, it's really a love issue. Get in touch with what he's done for you. Through the prophet Haggai, God is asking us, what's your treasure? Where's your heart? Are you in love with God? And do your values and does your life and does your priorities reflect that? Thanks for joining us today and listening to our weekly podcast. My name is Will Heron. I'm the Director of Discipleship here at The Ridge. If you would like to dig a little deeper into what we've been talking about today, uh, be sure to check out Beyond the Sermon. This is a weekly devotional that goes out after second service on Sunday. There you'll find the scripture that we've been looking at, some questions for you to, to dive into. But then there's also a discussion uh, that I have with whoever is teaching that Sunday, and we just dive deeper into different themes and topics from the sermon. If you've enjoyed our podcast, feel free to share it with your friends, and also jump on our website, ridgelife.org, to get more connected here at the Ridge.